But the important thing if you're writing, if you're writing is to get the book out there. What's up, ladies? Welcome to Biz Women Rock. This is your home for incredibly inspirational business stories from business women all over the world. I'm Katie Kremitzos, and I'm so happy you're here. Before we get rolling, here's a little word from our awesome sponsor. Are you tired of hearing how powerful LinkedIn is but have no idea and maybe not even that much desire to learn how to make it work for you? then you have got to get LinkedIn Focus. LinkedIn Focus is a powerful program that will give you the exact strategies needed to produce results for your business. Just go to linkedinfocus.com forward slash BWR. Now let's get into it. My guest today is Concha Alborg. And she is a writer. She has written a few books. Um, one is called American in Translation. Um, and one is called Divorce After Death, A Widow's Memoir. And in this conversation, we really go into what her process is to actually produce content as a great writer. She has a really interesting academic background. She's done fiction writing. She's done memoirs and personal narrative. So this interview will be of particular interest to you if you are writing something or are a writer, consider yourself a writer, um, or want to write something, and you just want some clarity on how to actually be disciplined with the process and how to actually produce stuff. You'll also hear her perspective on self-publishing versus traditional publishing and why being part of a writer's community is vital. So let's get rolling. Concha, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast today. I'm so happy that you're here. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited too. We're doing something a little unique. We're actually looking at each other. Usually these these, uh, interviews are totally audio, so I can be non-makeup, which I am today. And, you know, I can be writing notes and being concentrated on my questions. And this is totally face-to-face, which I'm really excited about. So um, thank you for being here. Um, You are a writer. And this is going to be an interview about the business of writing and how you as a writer actually have created something magnificent and the stories that you've created. And in order to give everyone a really good starting point on how to understand your writing business, I'd love for you to give some information about how you first you know, got interested in writing? Like, where did that passion start for you? Well, uh, being an academic, uh, I had to write. In order to to get tenure, you know, we're expecting to to go to conferences to write, and it became, you know, part of my profession to write academically. But at the same time, I I started writing fiction, which when I think back on it, I thought I must have been very naive or daring, I don't know, maybe a combination of the two, that I was writing fiction when I wasn't tenure yet. But, but I did. I wrote a, a collection of short stories in Spanish, the first collection, and when I wasn't even a tenured professor. Uh, and, and let's just let's just on. say, just for the record, too, that writing academically is like the farthest thing you can ever think of from writing um, writing fiction. I mean, that's so such different writing. So, was that like a creative outlet for you? 
It, it was absolutely. That's that's where it came from. I was doing the academic work, and and I'm, I'm I am a very disciplined person, and and it I found uh, a commitment that I had to do it, but it wasn't fulfilling the way creative writing has been for me. Gotcha. So I was I did it in the summer, you know, like when I had a paper finished, and my treat was to sit down and write a short story. And that's how my first collection of short stories came about. I love that. Well, writing's in your blood as well. Talk a little bit about your dad. Well, my dad it was a very important writer in, in Spain where I grew up. And he was a literary historian. He wrote a history of Spanish literature. In fact, uh, I was telling you earlier that we just got back from Spain where we celebrated a symposium on his work. And I'm sure that was a piece of the puzzle that that living in this uh, home where writing and reading was such an important part of our upbringing. It was almost like a natural to be, uh, to be writing. But he was not a fiction writer, although he is a character in my, in, in my books, which created uh, an interesting dynamic. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to ask this question now. I was going to save it, but since you brought it up, when because you write, um, you know you're you're definitely writing, and we're going to talk a little bit about the book that you had written about your husband. Um, you definitely write about real life. I mean, you're writing these personal narrative stories. What is it like when somebody in your life becomes a character in your book, or you're writing about them? What is that experience like? Well, it is difficult, and and I've had a, a few problems with it, and most of the time. Uh, it, it works out well. Usually, if I have a character that becomes uh, a, a friend or a relative that becomes an important character in my work, I share my work with them first. And I feel that this is, even though it's fictionalized, not this one, this last, last book, uh, Divorce After Death, is a memoir. But the ones before was autobiographical fiction. But I still shared it with them. And then, interestingly enough, most of them, you know, find find themselves on the page in, in a way that they can live with. But once <laughs> in a while, I will have someone say, oh, don't use that word. Or um, my father said um, that I used... Uh, uh, make-believe name for him, and he said, no, 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 call me Juan by my name, <laughs> call me a fictitious name, and then he would tell me more stories to add. That's uh, great. So, yeah, so people react in a different way, and I have had people uh, that say, oh, well, that's not the way it was at all, and I confirm, no, it wasn't, it is fiction. The, the, the funnest thing that I've had happen is that when I go back to Spain, and people talk about the way we grew up, I notice they tell the stories according to my book, Come on. not according to what happened. <laughs> and, you know, and I don't want to interrupt them and say, listen, this is not how it happened. You must have read it. And, and actually, I think some of my stories have become the official story of the family now. That's great. I love that. Um, I have to say this. So I've, I've been a writer a long, long time. And right before we got married... I wrote a blog called Year of the Wedding, and it was all about like that year of preparing for the wedding, right? Yeah. And, I, and I'm very much a personal narrative writer. So I'm kind of writing these stories. And one of my blog posts was about my husband and I getting in this really bad fight. And um, <laughs> and by that time, I had all these subscribers. And a lot of them, you know, were our local people that we know. Yeah. And I literally had somebody come up to him that day. Are you and Katie okay? Oh, my gosh. Are you guys okay? Is everything okay? Do you need anything? <laughs> and... Um, 
he I he and I had to have come to some sort of agreement because I tend to be very vulnerable. Like I'll just kind of put it out there because I think that really connects people. Yeah. And he's like, uh, I don't think everyone needs to know that we were in this fight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. It's a touchy thing. And you yeah. need to, to talk to the people that are closest to you. Yeah. Now, this book, um, Divorce After Death, that book is it was difficult writing because it deals with, is it too soon to talk about it? Or well, I, I-, I do want to give, I want to give yeah. a little bit more okay. of a platform because before, we are definitely talking about Divorce After yeah. Death because that's a huge, yeah. huge book. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about how you actually made the transition out of academia how did you get to write full-time well the universities now and I know that many are doing it uh, for the tenure particularly senior tenure people they are offering a tenure buyout program so you're you're close to retirement age and they they would like for the people that are making most money to get out of academia (laughs) and I took it the very first year that they offered it because I saw that as, as writing full-time, something that I have been wanting to do for a long time. So I think it was the very first year that St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia offered this program that I signed on it and that and I've been writing full-time since then. It's been five years now. So let's talk about your process of writing, and then we're going to go into the business of it. Let's talk about the process of writing. How, you mentioned that you're a very disciplined person. How, how are you actually producing this content? Like, what are your habits that you have that allow you to really produce all this great stuff? I've done different different techniques. Uh, usually what I do, I have a calendar right here on my desk. And what I do is I check in and I check out, not by the minute, but by the week. So at the end of the week, if I haven't, you know, been writing about 10 pages or so a week, then I have to make it up. And maybe it's on the weekend or maybe I'll cancel something that I was going to do because I need to finish it. But this is when I'm actively writing. Uh, There are times when I'm reading or taking notes. Traveling is a a big, important part of my life that has come out in my books. is also part of uh, Divorce After Death. And and that counts. So I'm taking notes. I write journals. So it's all part of the creative process. But when I start writing... Then, then it comes out, and, and I'm organized, and I have a an outline. I actually I love titles, and I, I usually have a table of contents that that I fill in as I'm working along. So it it becomes a project, and then I am I'm you know I'm hooked. Yeah, and I I'm gonna guess that you know nonfiction and fiction books definitely sort of get organized a little differently. Um, but do like, are you starting out? Are you starting out with the title? Or are you starting out with the t- the kind of outline? Or are you saying, here's this idea? How do I organize it? What are like in fiction? I know that you're going through like, you know, what are the who are the characters? You kind of have to do this character build out. Like, what are some of those processes? And let's start with nonfiction, um, because that's where we're going to go with divorce after death. What What was your actual process for getting that just from an idea? to a real book, like something that really you could actually work through? Well, I thought I was going to continue writing fiction, and it was going to be another novel. Uh, and, and what happened was that I was going through therapy at the time because my husband was sick with cancer, 
And then uh, when he died, uh, actually within 48 hours, we found out through his computer that he had had another life. And there were many relationships in in his life. And, of course, you can imagine the shock after, you know, the illness and the death, which was already grueling, uh, to uh, we had been married 21 years. To find this out was uh, obviously a very difficult uh, experience. My therapist, and I was very frustrated that I couldn't confront him and say, hey, dude, you know, what were you doing, you know, because he was very, very, a very good husband and very loving in the surface and a wonderful stepfather to my daughters as well. And when this happened, I, it was this sense of frustration. And my therapist said, whoa, wait a minute, Concha, you're a writer. Of course you can talk to him. I don't think he's going to answer you, but you can write him a letter. And it was an assignment. And it was the very first time that, that I did write to a dead person but I did I wrote this letter which is in the book because there's really the genesis of the book and once the minute I wrote the letter which was very painful and I'm very angry and and confrontational with him the minute the letter was written I saw myself on the page then I became a character in the book and the distance was there and immediately it was much easier and this is the letter that titles the book Hmm. but then I decided that I didn't want to start with the letter, that I wanted the reader to experience what I just told you, what what a unusual man he was, what a loving stepfather he had been, what a fun person he had been. So this is the, the first part of the book. So the reader experiences the same things that I did, and then you come to this uh, betrayal and the discovery. And I believe that, because I noticed that in our friends and his family and our relatives, they felt as cheated as I did. And I think the reader shares that experience. After you have uh, met him in the text, as this, he was a classical guitarist, as this a fun-loving musician and, and very interesting person. And then to find this out, they go to the shock that I went through. And that was really the genesis of the book. Have you ever worked with anyone or maybe, you know, have an editor or anyone like this who actually kind of helps you build that process, like helps you extract more information from it? Or did you do that all, of, all yourself? I do work with an editor because I'm writing now in English, which is not my first language. So just like I have an accent when I speak, I have an accent when I write. Right. And I do work with an editor, but it's mostly about the grammar. You you started by saying hi to me in Spanish, so you know how tricky prepositions, for example, are. So that kind of help. But no, the process of the book is really become my own. Uh, I do work with writers groups. I love that. I, I don't believe in, in a writer as a solitary being. Uh, I, I like to be with writers groups. And, and then my my work, all of my work that I've written has been gone through writers groups. Maybe not completely every chapter, but parts of it. So in that sense, I get input as to, oh, a good idea or not, or do this first, or that kind of input. But my editor is more to check on my uh, on my grammar and, and the language and the usage. Got it. So the question with writers, especially writers who are making a living as a writer and business people who have books and want to get it out there is always, do I self-publish or do I go with traditional publishing? You have a really interesting story about this. Can you talk about it? 
Well, I, I would actually recommend both. I think that there isn't a, a one answer and there isn't one better than another. It depends on the project. When I have a project finished, I give myself a window. And I say, okay, I'm going to try. And I did try to get a traditional publisher for all my work. But the first one was published in Madrid, and it, it was picked up very quickly by the same people that had published an essay, academic essay that I had written for them. So that was an easy out. I thought they all were going to be that easy. Not. It doesn't happen that way. I ended up self-publishing my first novel, the last book I wrote before this memoir. And, and it was... It was good to, to get it out there, and, and right now so many people are self-published that the stigma is gone, and I don't think that, that should, anyone should say, oh, I don't want to do it, is looked down upon. It isn't at all. It can get picked up later on and republished by a traditional uh, publishing company or not, and uh, I do recommend that... that you, it goes out in ebook at the same time that it goes out in paperback. This book also went out in, in hardcover. I don't even know how many they sold in hardcover. But the important thing if you're writing, if you're writing is to get the book out there. And to me, it's less important how you get it out there. Now, this memoir does have an interesting story because the other thing I would recommend to, to your listeners is to go to conferences, to go to writers' conferences, to meet people, to work uh, in writers' groups because uh, that's where you get ideas. That's how you uh, get known. That's how you don't get... Uh, um, old sitting at home by yourself, you know, in, in your little routine. And uh, and I actually went to this writer's conference with my book finished, and I was uh, pitching to agents. It was going well, but there was this one uh, workshop on humor. I use humor a lot on, in my writing. And I signed up for that with Donna Cavanaugh, who is the publisher for uh, Humor, Outcast, and Shorehouse Books. And uh, I... I attended her workshop. She was very funny, as you can imagine, and very lively. I asked her if widowhood was appropriate for humor, and of course she said yes. And here, the book was already written. Why was I asking? But I wanted to learn more. And it turns out that, that she asked for my materials, and she ended up publishing my book. And I have been very happy with this publisher. It's a small press, but it, she's very hands-on. And I like her marketing techniques, including uh, podcasts like this one. And and I have been very happy with this process. I Right now, this is the way I would want my next book to be. And I have to say, as a side note, Donna has recommended a handful of my past guests. And they've all been incredible. She is amazing. So I can't say enough about her. She's wonderful. And now a little word from our awesome sponsor. If you're tired of your spend and hope marketing strategy, why not give proven to succeed a try? Postcard Mania specializes in direct mail and postcard marketing and delivers winning campaigns using a combination of proven industry results and groundbreaking direct mail technology like Direct Mail 2.0. They partner with Google to track and follow up with people that visit your website after receiving your mailing. And they do personalized postcards, which is, by the way, how they got started and how they got their name, Postcard Mania. When you set up a campaign with Postcard Mania, they dig into their database of proven results to find out what is working for businesses like yours. And guess what? They've worked with over 64,000 businesses, and the results speak for themselves. 
Like, for example, a Maryland dentist who tripled his patients by switching to direct mail 2.0. Or the accountant from California who made $60,000 off of one single mailing. Or even the private school in Texas that added 820 online prospects to their list in just 13 days. The results speak for themselves. Use Postcard Mania for all of your marketing needs. Sign up for your free consultation today. Go to postcardmania.com forward slash bizwomenrock. So talk a, talk a little bit about some of the ways that you're actually getting the book out there. Like how how are you marketing? How is how are how is the publisher marketing for you versus how you are marketing the book? Well, I um, I have a lot of groups that that I you know share with Donna. Obviously, you know I, I belong to to uh, reading groups. I in the writers groups that I already mentioned, uh, Saint Joe's University where I taught. Um, you know the the local bookstore. I have a list that I that I use for my prior books that Donna has used for this one as well. And then she has brought in her own expertise, like this podcast. And I, I also have been in touch with newspaper because I've published some articles in the Philadelphia Inquirer. So it's just a... Our resources mix, and they mix well, because I brought in my, my academic uh, end of things, and she brought in the more business-oriented type of connections. So I think that Donna and I have just been, uh, uh, have been a good marriage, and it's, it's worked out very well I, in, for us, certainly for me. I know I can speak for myself. So you have another book that you're working on, the memoir about your dad. Can you talk a little bit about that? I thought it was so interesting. Well, I donated all of my my father's books and documents to the University of Malaga, and, and this is a symposium that was just celebrated that I mentioned to you earlier. And as, as before the books got picked up, obviously we went through it and, and took out the personal uh, things that we wanted to keep. And uh, I was there with uh, two other professors looking th- uh, through the books, which had already been cataloged, by the way. In the very last day of our search, if you can imagine, this is really like a novel. Um, in the very last box, which was too big for books, we started going through it. It was full of class notes. My father was also a professor. And at the very bottom of this box, I found over 800 letters between my parents during the Spanish Civil War. And, and what a gift for a daughter, for a writer, for, you know, it was just unbelievable that of all the people that had been through that home, I was the very last one to go through that box and to find them. And I obviously brought him back home to Philadelphia on uh, carry-on luggage. And they said, oh, it was too much. I had to ship it. I said, oh, no, I can't ship it. I, I'll pay a seat, but I have to take these letters with me on board, which I did. And I already presented them at the symposium uh, as the beginning of the project. But I'm hoping to write a memoir about this relationship that obviously I, I knew very little about. I knew more about the war the Spanish Civil War from here and my parents talk about it that I knew about their, this relationship. It has been a, a treasure. How cool. That is so neat. I always, um, like I always tell, have my parents like, tell me your story. Tell me your story. I love hearing that stuff. 
Yeah, what happened in my family was that because my father being such a um, well-known writer, he, he shadowed my mother. So I had heard a lot about him and very little about her. So as I work on the letters, I'm finding out that it's a, it's a, a journey of affirmation about my father, recognition. I already knew this. He already told me everything sounds like the man I knew. But it's a journey of discovery from my mother. She was the oldest of seven um, siblings, and I knew so little about them. And through the letters, I'm finding out she died young also. So I'm finding out so much uh, about her. So it's, it's very different what I'm feeling about my father versus what I'm feeling about my mother as I read these letters. Hmm. Concha, do you have goals for like how many books that you want to sell? I know you have many out, but um, the um, the current one, Divorce After Death, like do you have specific goals for how many books you want to sell? Do you come up with that number with the publisher? And where, like what, where are you on that goal? No, I don't have that goal, but but I probably should now that you pose that question. I wonder, <laughs> Donna, I wonder if Donna does. Actually, I hope I'm not talking out of school, but Shorehouse Books, the name comes because she wants to have a Shorehouse from this business, and and she's hoping, obviously, to sell a lot of books so she can buy the Shorehouse, and, uh, and I think that the I'm leaving more the business end of it to her. Uh, I do know, and I haven't told her, hopefully she'll hear this podcast, I got my first royalty check on Friday. Woo-hoo! And, yeah, <laughs> and, and it's, it's important. It, you know, I'm not living from my writing right now because I, I've been an academic and I have a good uh, retirement plan and I had a, a, a steady job. But I think it's important, even though, to have a, a business end to our creative process. And, uh, and, and it meant a lot. And it was right before the holidays to get this check in the mail. It, it did. It made me feel good. It's, it's, it's selling. So that. that's good. Um, do you get feedback from your readers about your story, especially because divorce after death is a real life story about you and your your husband? Like, do you get some feedback about people who have read it have either not liked it for some reason or were so there with you and felt it? Like, what kind of feedback are you getting? Well, so far, it's been very positive. Uh, I I haven't checked Amazon since I got back from my last trip from Spain. But every time I check, somebody new has posted a review. And it, I, I don't know some of the people that are writing. And they are very positive. And uh, I'm very encouraged, obviously, uh, to hear these comments. Now, occasionally, I have friends who get stuck on the plot who say, oh, my God, it, it, is this true? Does this really happen? As if somebody would want to invent such a painful story. So most of the time it's been very positive. However, I have to be honest with you, Katie, and tell you that the, the book coming out has been somewhat painful for me as well because I sort of relived everything I went through. I had dealt with it. I wrote the book. Uh, I am healthy. Uh, I, I feel that this is a story that needed to be told. I'm glad I told it. But having it come out, and I went to California to present the book. It was a huge audience. And all of a sudden, I felt it. You know, what am I doing sharing this story with people that I don't know? And, and it, it, it is painful to sort of relive this. And, uh, and it's just, just, just the reality of it is, is, is how it is. Right. But I, uh, 
I thought about it. It's something that I didn't rush into it. I, I put a lot of thought into it, and it's the book I wanted to to write. And uh, and this is you know some of the the positive and some of the the negatives that come that go with it. Right. Um, I want to go ahead and transition now into your favorite five. Are you ready for this? Yeah. All right. So my very first question to you is, since we're talking books, what is your favorite book? Oh, that is a very hard question. I was afraid you, you would <laughs> First one that comes to mind. Yeah, I, I've been reading Nora Ephron. I have it here, right here, uh, The Most of Nora Ephron, because I love her humor and because she dealt with betrayal with such grace and humor, and she's one of my idols. Nice. Uh, because of the theme of the widowhood, uh, the Year of Magical Thinking uh, by Joan Didion was, was a book that was seminal for me when I was going through through you know the, the process, the grieving process. Um, but I'm always writing, uh, reading travel literature as well. I um, I have in Spanish Patagonia Express on my nightside table. Uh, the fact is that I have piles of books wh- wherever I am. And uh, and it, my f- my favorite books would be the ones that I'm reading now. Are and you are you a physical book reader or are you a Kindle reader? I do both. Okay. I do physical when I'm at home, and I do the Kindle, uh, the iPad when I'm I'm on the road. Gotcha. I uh, I do find that and this must be I don't know if it's crazy or not, but I find that when I'm reading in the iPad, it's much easier not to finish the book. <laughs> well, if I have it right here in front of me, I'm more up to, you know, begin, even if I put it, uh, you know, aside for a while, get back to it. But I like the, the freedom of, of doing both. Nice. Okay, how about question number two is, what is one of your favorite ways to be creative besides your writing? Besides my writing? Uh, well, I love my home. And I, I like decorating, and I like entertaining, and I think that I had my gourmet group yesterday. I'm sort of tired today, but still, it was a very creative experience. I made a leg of lamb, which was a huge thing. I thought it was going to go in a medium roaster. I had to get the big roaster out, <laughs> like a turkey size, but but it was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, I think being... Uh, um, being creative at home on a daily basis helps my, my, all my creative juices, actually. Okay, question number three. What is your favorite place to visit in Spain? In Spain, okay, the favorite visit. In, actually, the favorite place to visit in Spain is a place where I have not been because I have relatives in Madrid, I have relatives in Valencia where I was born, and every time I go, I, I'm very happy to visit my relatives, but it gets to be also a routine. So on every trip I go, I try to go to a new place so that that trip will be the year I went to Merida, which is in Extremadura. That was the last time I, I went besides this past trip. And and I love that. There are still places in my own country that I haven't been, and I like going to, to a new place. Got it. Okay, how about your favorite music to listen to? I like jazz. I, I listen to, to jazz most of the evenings, and during the day I have more up to having a classical music station only because my station doesn't do jazz during the day. Mm-hmm. But jazz I find the... Uh, the most energizing and, and fun and and yeah, I listen to jazz. 
Okay. And the last question is what is one of your favorite meals? My favorite meals. Oh my goodness. Well, I don't want leg of lamb right now since I had it last <laughs> night. But uh, my favorite meal to eat is similar to my traveling experience. It would be a meal that I haven't had before. I love going to a restaurant where I've been, but they have a special uh, that I haven't tried before. And I that would be my favorite meal. But if I'm cooking at home for company, then I love making a paella, which is also different each time. I guess as I talk to you, I, I realize that I like change. I like novelty. I like something new. Uh, um, I'm not a person to, to be doing the same thing over and over again. Mm. Which makes you perfect as a writer because now you get to either create you know, brand new story or or whatever you want, or you get to tell the story that, you know, you stumble upon and it's really, really interesting. So I really want to thank you so much for being on the show today. I I really appreciate you digging in and and sharing with us how you write and how you've been able to be a writer. Um, I just, I'm so appreciative. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. I enjoyed it. biggest takeaway for me in that conversation was just a little thing that she mentioned very, very briefly that the fact that she has a calendar right outside of her office, like right in the door of her office um, that marks to see if she did her writing for that day. And if she didn't, she has to put it in her calendar for another day so that she gets the amount of writing that she needs to get at the end of the week. I love that. And it's obvious for every great writer, they have a disciplined way to be able to produce whether it's crap or whether it's great Ernest Hemingway had this way that he would you know wake up every morning and he was not allowed to go out and do his day until he had x amount of words written and you know he got up at like four in the morning and would write the words and then he would go out for his day he was very structured about what his day was so very very effective One other great resource that I want to give you for how to write and the process of writing is Janet Ivanovich. It's a book that I listened to years ago, and it was fascinating on how she writes. So go check out her book. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you're writing right now or have some great uh, time in your schedule for you to go and write. I'll see you on the next episode. 